Welcome everybody back to the Rooted and Edified show. I'm your host, Caddy Lias, and you are joining us for a special, special episode today titled Healing After Abortion. And to join us today to provide her testimony, please welcome special woman of God, Dana Wynn. Happy dance for you. Very excited to have you here, and thank you so much for what you're about to share. I know already it is going to be a blessing. Before I tell you a little bit more about this amazing woman of God, Dana Wynn, which actually you may remember because she was on this show before. She's an amazing woman. I'm going to tell you more about her in just a second, but I wanted to remind you a few things about this podcast. The Rooted Edified show is sponsored by Beautifully Rooted, which is a Christian mental health and education corporation. And this show, The Rooted Edified show, is a fun-loving, no-facade, Bible-believing, conservative Christian worldview show for both men and women who want to hear about the four T's. Testimonies, topics, talents, and theology, of course. And if we can get a few laughs on the side, I'm super happy with that. As a reminder, we put out both an audio podcast or a video podcast. So whichever is your preference, there's something available to you. If you really liked what we're doing here or you like this episode and you decide, you know, I would really like to help out the Rooted and Edified show, we would love to hear from you. And you just need to check out our website, which is www.beautifullyrooted.com. And that is spelled B-E-Y-O-U. And you can contact us on there. Let's jump in and let me introduce to you this amazing woman of God, Dana Wynn. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I am excited to be here again. Again, exactly. We love that. So Dana Wynn is a pastor's wife. She's a mother. She's a grandmother of an adorable grandson. And in 2017, God worked in Dana's heart to establish an amazing ministry that you're going to want to check out. And she's going to tell you more about called Overcome Ministries. So Dana, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself, about your amazing ministry and anything that you have coming up that you'd love for everybody to know about? Sure. So yeah, We are a restoration ministry for women. We come alongside women in several different ways. We do one-on-one biblical counseling. Um, We have Bible studies, support groups. We're doing workshops. And everything that we do right now in our ministry is 99.9% online. And the heart behind Overcome Ministries is that we are able to offer all of our resources free, where people don't have to pay for them or low cost. Obviously, we function off donations. Is that the right way of saying it? I don't know. We are a nonprofit donation-based ministry. We are not a 501c3. Those that can donate, that can afford it, you know, donate, and we're able to use those funds for people that cannot otherwise afford it. Really the heart, of, and, and it really came out of my own healing because I was able to go to support groups and a group therapy counseling and all this stuff, and I never had to pay for that. I couldn't afford anything at that point in my life. So we are a super active ministry online. Once the California stuff gets back up and running, then they'll start doing the in-person stuff. But you're going to let me share. I think you said some of our upcoming stuff. You can go to our website, overcomewithjesus.org. Right now, we're actually finishing up a workshop. It's called Christian Codependence Recovery Workbook. It's a book written by Stephanie Tucker. It's an amazing super deep healing workshop. And then we're going to start the next workshop, which is we're going to be going through another book by Stephanie Tucker, which is called A House That Grace Built. So you want to keep an eye out. If you're not following us on social media, you know, Overcome Ministries, because we put, that's where we post, get on our email list. We'll send out emails about all that upcoming. We do have a study that's going to be online going through Margie Hill has a 
Um, it's a two-part series. It's called Victorious. And then they have the Old Testament women and the New Testament women. So they just finished the, the Old Testament women. And in the fall, they're going to do the uh, New Testament women. And then we are also going to be starting back up our groups for hurting moms. We do a study. It's a 10-week study called Hurting Moms, Mending Hearts. So if you're a mother, grandmother, and your heart is hurting, your kid's a prodigal, you have wayward kids or kids aren't talking to you, you can't see your grandchildren, you know, it's this whole slew of things. But it's an amazing, I've done about 10 of these groups over the years. So we're going to bring that back into the ministry and we're going to start leading those groups again. So I think that's in a nutshell what's going on with Overcome. That's great. It's definitely a ministry you're going to want to check out. In the year right now, if you're hearing this episode, is 2023. However, if you're hearing this episode in a different year, you'll definitely want to check on her website. So if you could tell us that one more time so you can find out what is coming up in that time. It's overcomewithjesus.org. And social media say is the same thing, just overcome ministries. So you can find us that way. Thank you so much for that. And let's jump in. Now, as I've said before, you've seen Dana win before. Of course, you've seen her out on social media, but you've also seen her on our podcast before, Finding Joy in Every Season. So that's an amazing episode. You don't have to have it just during the holiday times. You can learn and be reminded of how to find joy in throughout the year. And I've heard how powerful that message was. So run out and check that out. And really, boy, oh boy, is this episode that we're having today timed so well for a few reasons. One is because Roe versus Wade was turned over and praise God for that. Two, because you have a testimony of having abortions going through the not so talked about aftermath that they don't tell you about before, really, that people don't really share. You're going to share that with, with us today. And we're so thankful for that. And most importantly, coming to know Christ and to truly be in a relationship with Christ, to find that healing and to really find joy in every season. And you've been restored from the Lord and we can't wait to hear from you on that. So many people, both men and women, and most of all the babies are affected by abortions. And people really need to hear about the real deal that comes along with abortion, especially at a time when people think it's reproductive rights, it's no big deal. We're so glad that you're going to share your testimony with us and, and shed some light, hopefully. Now, before we start, I just want to clarify a few things. One, here at the Rooted and Edified Show, we are unequivocally pro-life. But two, we believe that each person who has chosen abortion in the past or is okay to choose abortion right now, we know that you still have value in the Lord. You are made in God's image just as much as somebody who hasn't chosen abortion or is pro-life. We believe that you do have the ability to repent and to be forgiven. Very important for you to know. The Lord is so good to forgive us all, all of us, when none of us deserve it. So I just want to put that out there first. The last thing I want to put out there before we jump into our questions is I want to give you a couple of resources just in case you need to talk to somebody and or you have questions or some feelings come up or you're triggered. I want you to be able to have a resource. Now, Dana, at the end, we'll go over a few more resources that are more specific to this topic, but I'll give you kind of a general umbrella resource that you can that is for the United States. So if you need to jot this down, the National Mental Health and or Substance Abuse Treatment Hotline is 877 877- S-A-M-H-S-A-7. So that's the SAMHSA line. I guess SAMHSA is substance abuse 
and mental health treatment. And the second resource that I'm going to give you is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 1-800-273-TALK-TALK. I'm going to give you these numbers. This doesn't mean you're going to have a mental health crisis. I don't want you to push stop on this podcast right now because you think, oh, I'm going to be so triggered. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I just want you to have these resources in case you need them or you know somebody who needs them. These are resources that I put on every single reel that I put out there, no matter what the topic is, just in case somebody needs a resource. Now, these aren't particularly Christian resources. You can Google Christian Therapist Near Me. You're going to find out about Overcome Ministry. You're going to find out. There's lots of different ways to find that. I want to give you one or two general numbers that you can get access to help if you need them. Okay, let's jump in. Now, we know that you have lots of joy and you know how to have that joy based off of our last episode with you. But now we're ready to get to know you a little bit more and hopefully get to know God a little bit more and how he's worked in your life and your family's life. Would you tell us, please, how does abortion fit into your testimony story? And how has abortion impacted your life? And what has the Lord done in your life since then? Yeah, so to kind of piggyback, I was thinking as you were sharing about some of those hotlines and you were sharing with the audience about not pressing stop and being triggered and stuff like that. And I know that this is a hot topic, even amongst us Christians. I mean, I think for me, talking to people... It was kind of alarming to me that people within the church that differed on pro-life, pro-choice, you know, when we would say the Bible is really clear on what God says about life. So I think to, before I start sharing, I wanted to kind of say just maybe one or two more things for me when I share, especially this portion of my testimony, I and, and you know me, Kat, and other people that have heard me, I speak very candidly. I'm very unapologetic about a very difficult taboo situation, and I'm very transparent. And I say that because I know that I'm going to say some things and use some verbiage that may make some people cringe, might make some people uncomfortable. But I do believe that it was a huge part of me accepting the reality of what I did so that I could heal and not sugarcoating it and saying that it was something that it wasn't. So I say that and I don't want to offend, but at the same time, that's just me and how I'm wired and how God has healed me. So I just speak from a place of, like I said, I'm just very candid, open, transparent. So we appreciate that. We are a no facade show. I love that about you. It's one of the the things that I love the most about you. If we could all just be honest, nobody would have the need to lie. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think it does carry that additional shame on top of just the shame of making that decision to go through with an abortion. So I have four children. I have only one living child. So I had a miscarriage, which obviously was not an abortion. And then I did have I did have two abortions. And I remember when I started doing this process of healing from this, and I would have to say it was probably like a good seven year process for me of healing. So, you know, when people say, well, sometimes God just heals people right away and why can't he just, but I do believe that God works more in a methodical way, very slow heals things, you know, in different segments along the way. But I remember when I really had a difficult time just saying the word abortion or talking about what that really was. And My last abortion that I had is actually from my current husband. So we were sitting in church and I know that I'm speaking 
to other people, other women that are right in the same position I was way back when. So I think it's important that I maybe start in this place because, you know, looking back, right, is hindsight and you think, had I had had somebody that did this or said this, would it have made a difference? I don't, I'll never know that. However, if I can make a difference by speaking out or by saying something and saving another innocent child and another mother from making a horrific decision, then I'm, I'm willing to do that. So, you know, we, we sat in church, we were there on a Sunday and then on Monday he was dropping me off at the abortion clinic. So you, you, you think that when you're in church sitting next to people, we're all Christians. I know that we're sinners. We all know that, but you have no idea who's sitting next to you, you know, and what they're going through, what they're about to do, the choice that they're about to make. And so I'm such an advocate and supporter. And I'm like, maybe almost to, I don't want to say to a fault, but I get very passionate when I think about churches and the lack of them talking about abortion, because I see it a lot that there are pastors that are willing to talk about it, but on the surface level. But my thought always goes to me being that person in, in the audience, that where is the help for that woman, that person, me, Dana, in the audience, who already has an appointment to go and end the life of their child, you know, because a lot of churches don't have those resources. So it's great to bring the topic up and talk about it. But you need to be able to offer that help. You need to be able to say, and that's one of the reasons that I love a parent para ministries, which is what overcome ministry is because the church can't do everything. And I believe that's why God creates these para ministries because we can being that we're a ministry outside of the four walls of the church, we can reach women that the church can't. And I love that churches will see that this is a God-given ministry, Christ is in it, and that they will utilize us as a resource for them when they have women that need help with anything, right? But I remember thinking, when I think back on that, and I thought, you know, wow, you know, we were in church on Sunday and at the abortion clinic on Monday and then back in church on Sunday again. When I think about my own story, and I talk a lot about my, my last abortion because I was following Christ in some way at that point. My first one, um, I was not. And I don't want to say that as an excuse for the decision I made, because whether I believe, whether you have Christ in your life or not, we still have that inherent knowledge within us that it's wrong. I believe that. Other people can disagree. And I think a lot of it is just ignoring the reality of what you're going to do. So, you know, when I made that decision. And I look back on that and I think, well, I was in church. So, so I knew better at that point I should have been, but I remember even in that moment, none of the scripture was in my heart at that time. And it couldn't have been because if it had, I probably would have made a different decision. It's like when they say, you know, when you are thinking about sinning or your flesh is coming on, you should go into prayer and talk to God and open up your Bible. Because what happens is it redirects your attention away from wanting to do the sin. But when you want to do what you want to do, God is like outside of that circle. And so for me, it was out of selfish motives. My husband and I at the time, um, I was still legally married. He still had a girlfriend. I mean, we had a horrible relationship. I wasn't being a mother to my daughter that was living, 
you know, I had abandoned her and I was making selfish choices. And I remember thinking, there's no way I can have another child when I'm not a mother to my daughter now. And what is she going to think if I, you know, all of these things, right? And I'm, and I'm not going to be bring another kid into a marriageless relationship. And it was just, so it was like, it wasn't even like a thought, anything for me, just this is what I was doing. And I think back on that, right? And I, and again, I, I talk about, you know, where was God when people say, well, why didn't God stop me? Where was God? Where was he? God can do anything. God can, you know, he can stop anything from happening. So why would he allow me to go through with that? And I remember going into the clinic and this is now my second abortion. So the first one, my mindset was in a totally different place at the time. So I, I didn't have that conviction, um, the same that I did at, when, when this one was happening. But I remember thinking to myself, I hope that those crazy Catholics are going to be out there with those horrific signs because like maybe that's going to, you know, make an impact on me. And I remember thinking that small part of me, like, I hope that they're out there and, and it's going to be really uncomfortable. And I remember pulling in thinking, where, where are all the protesters? There was nobody, nobody in sight. And I thought it was really weird. I'm like, they're always out there. And so I remember, you know, him, my husband dropping me, he wasn't my husband at the time, obviously, dropping me off and then leaving, you know, and going in. And those of you that, you know, have experienced this know what I'm talking about. But those of you that haven't, part of me wants to share this side of it to shed some light about what it's like and what it feels like, especially as a Christian, even though I wasn't in a close, close relationship with the Lord at that time, but I was still seeking him. So it's like a, a weird kind of thing when you think about that. How when people will say, "How could you have gone through that if you were a Christian?" And it's such a degrading thing to say to somebody because unless you're in the situation, and that's in any kind of sin, where it's really easy to point the finger and to look outward and to judge. Where if you just stood back and just tried to allow yourself to be in a, a place of understanding where somebody is during that time, but. Walking into the facility was just such a somber thing with just all of the young women that were in there. And when you go through the process of checking in and paying this money and almost being numb to the whole thing of what's going on, because I think if a part of you is not numb, I don't know how you could go through with it. You know, it's almost like you, it's like a drug, like you have to numb your mind in some way so that you can follow through with the sin that you're about to do. And for me, I didn't really understand the magnitude of what it is that was really happening. That all kind of came later, as odd as that might sound, because I was in my 30s or when this was happening. And so when people say, you know, well, how do you not know life, you know, the stages of life and that, but that really wasn't even on my mind that this was a living child. I just knew that I could not, this was not going to happen. All of the rest of it, you know, from the taking your clothes off and sitting there with this paper gown on, you know, and having them do an ultrasound, but you're not allowed to see that ultrasound. And the thought was, you know, if I would have, if I would have seen that, and this is why I'm such a supporter of these pregnancy centers that will do 
free ultrasound sonograms and stuff for you that you are able to see that there is a living human being inside of you, that how many minds and choices would change if you're not supporting a, a pregnancy center, you should and get involved because the work that they're doing to try to prevent and just having an ultrasound done is it is such a life-changing thing for these, not just young women. I was in my 30s. So, you know, it's not just these young women that are making these decisions. But I remember waking up afterwards and just that immense amount of remorse that I did not feel with my first one. It was almost such a disconnect with the first one. It was it was years of just not talking. I, my husband and I didn't talk about it. It was just a done deal. You know, I didn't speak about it, think about it, any of that until years later when I started going through a group therapy. My, it was the very first thing I've ever had ever done. They called it group therapy. And we went through the book by Townsend and Cloud that was it's called Changes That Heal. And that is when my life changed. God used that book to start my journey of healing. So that was probably like 15 years ago. And I am still on that journey. So I, I put in a lot of work for a lot of years, working through the, these abortions and getting to the point of the realization that I murdered my children. Did I, was I the one that had the knife, had the instrument that did the final thing. No, but I took place in the plotting and the planning of it. And that took me a long time to be able to say that because in reality, that's what it is. And when I, when I say that to people, they'll say, well, you know, that's kind of harsh. You don't really have to say that. And I said, well, what do you call it? What is it that happened? What happened? What happened to my child? Right? I mean, it is just, it's a, it's an act of murder. You're taking the life. And so for me, I had to be real, very realistic and very honest with myself about what it is that I did, the choice that I made. The doctor could not have done what he did had I not have made that choice, had I not had plotted and planted and made the appointment and all of that. And so I had a part in it, you know, and even in my anger that I had towards the staff members and the doctors and all that, it turned to myself to be accountable, that in some sense, I was giving these people this business to, to be able to do what they do. You know, if I didn't make that decision, I wouldn't have been in that office that day and they wouldn't have been able to perform the procedure that they perform, right? So that for me took a long time for me to be able to call it what it was and to be okay with that. Even being looked down on and shamed and and people saying not nice things about me because I was using the word murder, but it's such a powerful statement to make. It, it kind of takes it to a different level when you look at it like that. It's not that I had an abortion, but I took part in murdering two of my children. So that took on a whole nother part of the healing of going to God's word and then having to look at what he says about life. So that carried a lot of shame. You know, when people say you go to God's word and it's going to heal and it's going to, but there's a lot of conviction in God's word, especially when he's talking about the lives of his, of his children that he created before they were even in my womb. And so that took on a whole different thing for me in my relationship with God and struggling to understand forgiveness and being able to receive his forgiveness because of 
what I started learning about what God said about life. So that's a whole different thing. You know, you, you, it's like, you would say, well, I know what God says about life. I knew you before you're in your mother's womb. I know every hair on your, I know all, but it's, it's very different when you have made the decision to have abortion and you look at the God's word when he's talking about life and it means, it means something so much deeper and there's, and, and it's really difficult to work through that process. Forgiveness was really hard for me because I believe that God, that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins. He died before I was even born. So before I was even pregnant or anything, he died for all of that stuff. So if I could believe that he could forgive me for stealing money from my mom's wallet, but that he wouldn't forgive me for murdering my children, then then his death is in vain because his death is for all sin. So that was a real work for me to, and I would say even till this day, I still do have glimpses of, of really accepting that full forgiveness in this area. So forgiveness is, is a big part of it. And I, so after years of healing and I thought, okay, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I've healed from this abortion. I've talked about it, right? I've gone. And, and as you know, anybody that's gone through healing, anybody that's gone through biblical counseling is, it is difficult. <laughs> it is one of the most difficult journeys that you will embark on, but it is one of the most joyful things that you could ever do for yourself. When you do biblical counseling, it's life-changing because it's Jesus that is in the counseling. He is the counselor. And so um, again, this was probably... I don't know, a good five or so years into this healing. And then I met a, uh, ran into a ministry. I was looking for counseling for my daughter, free, because she didn't have money. And I remember uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa used to do this event. I, I forget what if it was called Summerfest, but it was down at Huntington Beach. And then they would have vendors and they would have ministries up there. And I remember walking by this ministry and they had this big banner and it was like free counseling, biblical. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I remember going up to him thinking, is this really free? So like my daughter can come. And so, you know, in, in my mind, I had one idea of what this ministry was, but long story short, my husband and I, it wasn't counseling for her. She never went to them for counseling, but we started serving with the ministry and we're going to start doing biblical counseling. So part of the process for that was kind of going through their process. We were I always say, well, I think they fooled us into counseling. It was supposed to be like, we're just going to role play. But God had other plans because there was still more healing that needed to be done for both my husband and I. At this time, we are married now. So that God needed to do before we can step in to that calling of doing biblical counseling. The healing is really difficult. It's really painful and it's very exhausting. <laughs> so when you go back into it and you realize God's opening up the next stage of healing, you're almost like, oh my gosh, again, <laughs> haven't I finished this? So I thought, well, I'm good on a lot of these things. And abortion was one of them. And I remember the gal that was like training me and stuff. And we started doing abortion. I had to write a letter. I believe it was, I had to write a letter to my children. And I'm like, I'm good. I said, I wrote a letter before about this. I'm going to get the letter and I'm going to read it to you. And she said, no, you need to write a letter. You don't, you can't go get the letter. And I remember I was so angry at her. Like I have done a lot of work and healing and I'm good. I remember telling her, I'm good. 
I am healed from my abortions and I am good. And she was like, well, just write the letter. Do you think she knew that you still had healing to do? Um, I don't, she didn't really know that much about that part of my healing. So yeah, it wasn't like, well, yeah, I feel like you need to do some more work on that. It was kind of just as we were going through the different segments of counseling and we, we hit on abortion because, you know, we're counseling women. So, and then that's kind of when I said, oh, I've done a lot of years with healing and I'm good. And I kept saying that I'm good because not because I was trying to get out of something, but I really felt like I was good. And I was angry that she wanted to reopen a door that I felt was, was closed. God knew. Yes. But God knew. And that's the thing is that we can, we can think, you know, we've got all this stuff in our heart and we're good. Yeah. He will expose that, that 10% that we don't reconcile or we haven't reconciled or, or presented forward. And he'll bring that out. Exactly. In his timing, right? And I always tell the counselees I counsel, you might be coming in here with the thought of what you need to be counseled on or what you need healing on. But because we let the Holy Spirit guide this, he's going to be the one that's going to say what he wants to heal you. And it might not be that portion that might not come five, five years from now, whatever, but you've got to go with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so I remember I went home and I was, I was really angry because I thought, I'm just going to get the letter I wrote. She doesn't know what the letter is you know, right? in my flesh. You were going to cheat in counseling. Yes, Great. I know. And by such conviction, you're like, okay, at this moment, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't be convicted, right? I guess I should say you're going to cheat in biblical counseling, biblical counseling, right? Yeah, exactly. I know. So I remember sitting, I was at my computer and I was like, I could not for the life of me put pen to paper. I could not right I just could not and I was so frustrated because I'm like God you have worked with me for so many years this should not be difficult and I just remember thinking okay God you have to show me what the blockage is here what is it because again my struggle was still with forgiveness and the reality that of what I did to my children and so I remember I turned on some worship music and it was a song that I had heard a thousand times and I I and I hope that those of you that are watching when you get off of this podcast and listening that you will go and listen to this song and I remember it came on and I didn't give it much thought but I was thinking oh you know I've heard the song a million times and then in that moment the words came alive in a way that I had never heard them before. And it's the song Redeemed by Big Daddy Weave. And it was just everything that I was still holding on to about not feeling how God saw me. There's a portion in the video. If you watch the video where he's talking before, where he's looking in the mirror and he's overweight, he has a different situation, but that God looking at him saying, I love you for who you are. I just, I love you for who you are. I love your laughter. I love you. And it was just, it was, I get goosebumps every time I think of that moment for me. And what I did is I started listening to the song and just pulling words out from the song on the page because in my mind, I had an idea of what I was supposed to be writing instead of letting myself just fall into the arms of God and let him, you know, help me to write. So I was pulling these words out of the song and that was really what I wrote what came out of that was that that I'm redeemed and that I am set free. And so 
that for me was like the final puzzle piece. And, and I remember going back in there because I actually didn't want to do biblical counseling anymore. And I was actually mad at her. I told her I didn't like her. And that's why I always tell my counselees, it's like a love-hate relationship. One day you're going to love me the next day, but it's good because I know it's not me. I know it's the Holy Spirit working. But I remember going in there and I played the song for her because she had an abortion that she hadn't talked to about even a family member. So it was really this interesting, it showed me so much about healing and, and a calling that God gives you to come alongside other women and give back out what God's given you, especially in that arena of counseling that you. And so I remember as I was sharing this and I'm like, I know that this is not the letter that you probably were thinking it is, but this is what I needed to write. And that song for me was like, it was like, it again was that final puzzle piece in my healing for my abortion that I didn't know that I needed still. And that I can truly accept that forgiveness and not have to question it and not have to be ashamed of it. And so today I just, I can share about my abortion in any setting with anybody. I don't have, and that when I say unapologetic, it doesn't mean that I don't have regret. When I look back, part of my healing was being angry at God and like, well, where were you, right? Everybody's saying to me, well, you know, if if God is, you know, such a good God, where was he, right? All like the naysayers and that. And I remember thinking, where were you, God? Like, why would you let me murder your children? Why? Like, this is your fault. You, could, you know how that goes, right? When you start blaming him. And I remember God just in that moment, walking me through every stage of that, of, those decisions, those two decisions that I made. And I remember him showing me, and he doesn't speak audibly to me, but I just know that he gave me these visions of when I found out I was pregnant, he said, I was, I was there with you. When I made the appointment, I was there with you. When he dropped you off at the facility, I was there with you. You know, when you were disrobing, I was there with you. When you went into the room to have the procedure done, I was begging them to not do that. I was reaching out for them to not do that, but I was with you. When you woke up, I was with you. When you were at home healing from that, I was with you. When you doubted me, I was with you. And I still love you. And so it was that visual and that process that that I was about to do something so horrific, so unforgivable, you would think, and that God was with me the whole time, not wanting me to do it, you know, and, but I had a choice to make, but God never left me. He never left me even during that process, which is like, how do you even comprehend that, that I took God on that journey with me? When, I, when we're sinning, when I'm making a choice to sin, because God is my Savior and the Holy Spirit lives within me, I'm really asking to come along with me. I'm bringing with me on this, you know, and not that God sins, obviously, but for me, like, that was my visual that, you know, I was making this choice and yet God was with me, like, the whole time. He still loved you. Yes, he still, and he knew what I was going to do. He loved me in the moment when it was happening and he loved me just like Jesus's death on the cross. I mean, he, he loves us. His love 
is so unfathomable. I, you know, I don't believe that we will ever be able to grasp the greatness of his love this side of heaven. I think we can only do it to a certain degree. But when I just think back on all of that and the remorse that I felt and the forgiveness that I so desired from him and just literally crying for days and apologizing, you know, that I didn't make a, a different decision, but, but that comfort that he gave me and knowing that he was with me, he was with me. And that, and so that was kind of like, for me, the final stages of my healing with my abortion. And I still believe there's always room for healing. There's always, there might be something that might come up or whatever, but I think that, you know, for me, when I was going through that and, and being trained to do biblical counseling and going through that process, I believe it was all for that final piece of my abortion, because being able to counsel women and so many women that come into our counseling that have had abortions that are 50 and 60 that have never spoke about it, mm-hmm. you know, and the agony of suffering in silence and I know that I know what that's like to suffer in silence. And so we through through what we offer in our biblical counseling and uh, what we do in the, in the ministry is to let women know that they don't have to suffer in silence. They don't have to be alone. And I think not only myself, but the women that God has brought into the ministry, we all kind of share that same transparency. And I think that's one thing that I always get comments on when people come to events and stuff that we've done is that everybody in the ministry is so transparent that they can talk about anything. They can, they feel like they can just blurt out their whole life because that we are all as a ministry team, just unapologetically living and sharing our testimony because that's how we share the gospel we share it through our testimony and so for me the abortion is the big portion of it for me for my testimony because still even today within the church they don't want you talking about it you know we don't talk about it yes we know it's wrong we're pro-life in that but we don't want to have a support group in here we're not gonna and for me I'm like I mean, these, you have women in your pews, in your congregation that are dying, that are suffering in silence, like myself, who had an abortion and are back here on Sunday and don't know what to do with it. No, but there's no resources in the church. And I'm not saying all churches are like that, but this is kind of a plea for churches. Any pastor or pastor's wife that's listening out there, you need to have resources for these women post-abortion that have, that have made that decision and are in your church and suffering in silence or that woman that's Dana sitting there waiting for her appointment date that need to have resources, churches need, or find resources like Overcome Ministries, you know, like Beautifully Rooted, all these other ministries out there. You know, we're all in this together just because we're not inside the four walls of the church. You know, if you believe that this is a God ministry, then support us. You know, use us as a resource, send your people to, you know, if you don't have anything in your church, utilize paraministries, you know, and I know there's a lot of weird stuff out there. I I understand that, but there's also a lot of Christ-centered paraministries out there. So hopefully you'll reach out and you'll check out Overcome Ministries. I can give you other resources, but there's so many resources out there that there's no reason that women are still suffering in silence from their choice to abort and murder their children or the or they're sitting there pregnant now 
debating whether or not they're going to make that decision to do it. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, there's, there's plenty of help out there. So, so I am passionate about this side of my testimony and people will say, you talk about it as if it's nothing. And it's like, I, it, it's not that it isn't nothing. It's just the passion behind it of wanting to help another innocent child's life being taken and another young woman or older woman from having to go through what I, what I've gone through. So if I can do that by talking in any arena, any platform that somebody will give me, then that's what I'm going to do. And then God is going to do with it, whatever he wants to do from that point on. So that's really kind of my, and we will be also too, um, I will be starting post-abortion healing workshops within Overcome. And we're going to be doing, I'm going to be doing it's called Surrendering the Act. It's a ministry. They're on social media. You can look them up. But we're going to be using their curriculum. A really amazing. It's a real simple study to go through. So we're going to be starting that, I believe, in the fall. So if you are out there, you have had an abortion, you're pregnant now, you're thinking of having one, you know of somebody, then please reach out to me because I would love to talk with you. I would love for you to be a part of our groups or just talk to you, talk with you through it about if you are trying, if you're struggling through the decision and you're pregnantly, you're currently pregnant, just allow yourself the opportunity to talk to somebody who's been there. I do wish that I had that. Would it have made a difference? I don't know, possibly. So if I can be that difference, then I hope that you will allow me to be that difference for you. Thank you so much. Dana, for that. That was amazing. You answered actually a lot of our questions. That was the real deal. I still have a few more questions to ask you. I think I hope that would be helpful for everybody listening. And at the end, we'll go over a few more resources I know that you have for those that want help. And I'll share a resource that is available to the churches to help out with ladies who are considering abortion. They also go and do some of the walks and things like that, that I think probably would have been helpful had right. that been available to you. And so that's a great encouragement for us to get back out there and keep on doing that. Yeah. And your story really reminded me so much of Romans 8.28. It's not that the Lord wants abortions to occur. He'll take the choices that we've made and he will figure out some way to work it out for the good of his kingdom. And here you are sharing your testimony, sharing why it is something that you would not encourage other women to do and the realities of the aftermath. Yeah. And just as a reminder, as you mentioned, the healing part, definitely in my perspective, healing doesn't mean that you're never triggered ever. Sometimes that is possible. And sometimes you still do get triggered. What it means is that it has no power over you right. to decide for you who you'll be and what you will do. And it doesn't define you as your identity. So keep that in mind. Now, in regards to the aftermath, I think you explained very well for you what the aftermath looked like emotionally, I'm assuming spiritually as well. And it sounds like you were able to come closer to the Lord through this healing process. What about for men? Have you noticed anything or do any thoughts come to mind? Because men are so often pushed out of the conversation for abortion. And it's so often that people say, men, you're not women. Although I'm sorry, now they do say men, you are women. Right. That's, I guess I can throw that out the door, but women will say, men, you have no stance. You have no, no position to speak into this topic because you can't even have an abortion. Right. But I really think, I don't think that's true at all. They are part of what creates these babies. They completely have a position to speak from. They are the father's 
this very important. I think that's just a tactic to reduce 50% of your opposition. Right. So have you noticed, or do you think that there are, there's aftermath for men when it comes to abortion? Well, absolutely. And I do think, unfortunately for men, it's like they kind of get pushed to the wayside. Like one is just them and themselves being men. It's like, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with emotions. They don't want to. And some of it is, well, you made the decision. They like kind of passed the buck. And I think that, especially in my situation, even though my husband now, not at the time, you know, we were both in church. He had been a Christian longer than I had. It's like, you know, men stand up for, for what you know is right. Whether or not the, the woman, whether or not I was adamant about doing it, you know, if you stepped into that and said, you know, this is not going to happen, right? I mean, and, and, I, and I do think that sometimes men shy away from that. But I think the after part of it is one is, yes, the men haven't experienced that physical part of it. So they, they, don't, they don't connect on that level. But there still is an emotional healing that needs to take place because the reality is, is it was their child too that they created. And a lot of times the women don't give the men a part in it. They either go do it in secret, so it doesn't matter. They don't need to have the husband or the boyfriend's approval to do it. So they kind of feel like they don't have a say in it, so they just don't aren't going to deal with any of it. So they just suppress and don't even allow themselves to go there and think about what, what happened. And it's not really talked about a lot for the men. There's not, there's more groups for women post-abortion healing for women, but not for men, you know, not that, that men don't want to talk about it. Right. And I think sometimes men carry sometimes even more of that way because they're the man, especially if you're a Christian thinking, well, you know, where was I in the leadership in that? So men are, I believe, really, really forgotten in this process. And there needs to be a lot more support because even when you, when you do hear some of the pastors uh, behind the pulpit talking about abortion, it's always directed towards women. You don't really hear them saying it's, it is, you know, it takes two people to make the baby, right? So there was the mother and then there's the father. And so I think that that is something that needs to be more readily available for men to be able to have support groups, to be able to have other men to talk to other platforms, you know, like this cat, that men come on that are talking about it, that's going to open the door for other men to reach out. 100%. It has to start somewhere. And I do think that if there was a man that got on a platform and they were talking about their experience with it and made themselves available, you know, it's like opening the door, right? Letting men know that they're not alone, that there's other men suffering in silence, and they are. I mean, and so, yeah, I, I do agree that, and I know that there's studies some of these that are out there that are for men, but there are not a lot of men that attend these. Like there's a ministry that I was going to give as a resource called Deeper Still, and they do free, it's post-abortion retreats. They are completely free. So, which means they fill up like almost immediately to get into one of them, but they're not just for women. They are for men. An amazing ministry. I mean, there's, so much healing that needs to take place. And I do believe that there are so many men that are still suffering in silence. You know, just to be clear, men, I think that you definitely have a seat at the table when it comes to this discussion. Because your man does not exclude you from this conversation, 
On the contrary, we need to hear from more men. And actually, as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, it's not often talked from the pulpit, but I wonder also because pastors are men. And so I wonder if they're being told you don't have a voice, you're not a woman, if that has something to do with either why they feel it's not as important or they feel they're not going to speak on it. Maybe they don't feel they have the authority to speak on behalf of a woman's issue, as they say, and I'm putting my hands up in quotation marks. But men, you do have a position. We 100% need to hear from you. You know, I just want to remind people that sex that causes the pregnancy is a spiritual act. It is designed by God. It's not foreign to God. It's actually designed by God. And it's a great thing in the way that God designed. So it is a spiritual issue. Life is only created because God deemed it to be so. So if a man is participating, if there is abortion, this is a spiritual issue for you as well. So you do have a seat at this table. You do need that healing too. And there's definitely work to be done here. So I know a lot of pastors out there that have partaken in abortions. And I think because they have that platform up there, they are behind the pulpit. It's an amazing opportunity for them to share that portion of their testimony to the men that are in their congregation and gave resources or support groups within there. I think that would be huge for the men in these churches. And maybe Christians in general, because I can definitely see somebody who's saying, well, I'm Christian. How in the world can I present a pregnancy? That's embarrassing. I'm going to shame my family or they're going to know. But I, as a reminder, the sin is not the pregnancy. Yeah. The sin is having sex outside of marriage, outside of God's design. The, I think we need to do a better job in the church in that the sin is not the pregnancy. So whether someone becomes pregnant or not, whether a woman becomes pregnant or not, doesn't change the sin. And I think as Christians, I completely understand that question mark that comes up, the the butterflies in your tummy, the trembling of your knees of, oh boy, here's the reality that I want to hide. Number one, God knows, and he's not going to allow for that. It's going to eat you up. And that's not what you want Two, I want to clarify when I was saying earlier, if more believers were honest, less people would have the need to lie. I would just want to add on there that we're presenting that honesty because it is what it is, but we're always as believers trying to pursue righteousness. So we don't get stuck there. And if you are having trouble empathizing with somebody who has had an abortion, which I don't agree with abortion at all, but we are sinners, like you say, and sometimes we do that for various reasons. And I do believe that we can repent and we can be forgiven and loved holy. I definitely do. But I want you to remember, if you're having trouble having empathy, one of my beliefs is that we're really only a few decisions away from almost any other person. Right. Sometimes we can say, oh, I would never. But sometimes I say, but you've never been in that position. That doesn't mean that the outcome, the choice that you choose is the right choice. And that's not justifying a wrong choice or an unholy choice, ungodly choice. What I'm saying is, We're only a few decisions away from almost any other person. What you really need to do is be on top of those decisions and know, is my heart with Christ? Is my walk with Christ? Do I have accountability? Because if you think that you wouldn't participate in this as strong as you feel, I would put out there, it might only be a few particular situations that might influence your decision. And second, as a believer, we have to remember that when somebody is in sin, when somebody is apart from Christ, they're lost. Even if they've hurt you, even if they are on a destructive path, our empathy comes from they're lost. We're all lost without Christ. And before him in our lives, we were all lost. And that's where our empathy draws from. 
Right. Now, having said that, the idea, the topic that we're discussing today is very weighty. What would you say to women and men, perhaps, but who have had an abortion and now feel guilty or that they're not worthy to get close to God or that they can't be forgiven? Women and men who are hesitating to run to Christ. I think the same thing for me that when I was going through that, that same process is that, you know, wanting to run away from him because of shame and really learning more about his word and what he says about life, how much he loves life, shined an even bigger light on, on the decision I made. But God is not a God that shames. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? We all know that, that we all know that scripture. And he tells us that guilt is, godly guilt is to produce repentance. Right. If you've already repented, and there's no reproof. It's he receives us with those open arms. Exactly. And I think sometimes we think, you know, we have to, we didn't say it the right way or do it the right way. We have to do it this way or this many times or whatever. But I mean, like, like his word says, I mean, you're, you ask God for forgiveness and God gives you forgiveness. You repent from that, right? You know, there's that, that true heart change and the way that you look at your sin and the conviction that you have of it. It's not just well, I'm sorry for doing that. And then you go on with your life and then you just keep continue to do, you know, it's really that change in your heart of, of remorse and repentance. Just going back to my story and to remind those of you that are that in that place of feeling like I have no place with God, but is to remind you what God told me is that no matter what it is that you have done, what you're doing right now, if you are a believer, Christ is your savior. He is with you always. His word tells you that I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. It doesn't say that I will be with you only when you are not sinning, when you're doing everything right, living a righteous life, I will be with you. It says I will be with you always. Matthew 28, 18, I think it is. I think I could be wrong. That God is with you always. God is with you always. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. You know, one of my life scriptures is Psalm 2710. And I read it when, because I was abandoned in a lot of ways by my parents. So it's when your mother and father leave you or abandon you, I will be there to care for you. So over and over and over in scripture again. But I think the part that that we have that disconnect is that there's so much shame that covers us that we 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 struggle to believe those verses those words of god that well that might mean that for that person but you know when when and i like what you said too cat about you know that we could be really good at looking at other people and thinking i would never do that you know i mean i would do some things but murdering my children who could do that right i mean because i've seen the looks I've heard it like, and I think you just, you, you made a really good statement that we are all, you know, moments away from making whatever bad decision, right? I mean, we are, we are sinners, right? And so I think that when I look at sin and I think murder is bad in any sense, I mean, you're taking the life of uh, somebody that God created. I mean, so however you look at that, however, it is not an unforgivable sin, you know, and I think people think, well, you know, oh, I committed adultery in that, but, you know, God's forgiven me or I've done this or I've done that. But murder, I mean, you, you know, it's like, it's like this taboo thing that, and I'm saying even in 
the, the, the world of Christianity, brothers and sisters, that, that when they hear your story, and, and you can see the looks they give, like, I would never do that. And it's like, really, you would, how, how, how do you know that you wouldn't? Like you said, like you were saying, if you're not in the situation, then you don't know. And maybe you were and you made a different choice, but to look down on somebody because of the sin that they had done when they have been forgiven and made right with God, who are you? Who am I? Who are you? Who are any of us to come in and judge somebody's past sin of what they've done? Because we are forgiven in Christ. Jesus died for whatever those sins are that we did. And I think we need to be better as brothers and sisters in Christ when we hear somebody's testimony or somebody's being vulnerable and sharing to not have a look of horror. Because, you know, I can look at you, Kat, and hear some of your sins and be like, oh my gosh. But, but who told you what's going on? Exactly. But don't look in my window of past sins, right? Because I wouldn't have done what you did, but then you wouldn't have done what I did. So in God's eyes is all that matters. And God sees sin equally. Sin is sin. It's the world that judges them on different levels. And there's only one sin that's unforgivable. So, and it isn't murder, right? It's not infidelity, adultery. It's not stealing, robbing a bank. All of those are, if you repent and turn from that, are sins that can be forgiven. I, I know in my case, I really had to be in that place of humility and, and be honest with God. And I remember sitting at the foot of my couch and, and me, I'm just a visual person. So I visualize that Jesus was sitting on the couch, but really struggling and saying, God, I just like, I don't understand why I can't get through this. And I remember in that moment saying to him, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And I just remember that it was like God saying to me that I know you don't, I know you don't trust me, but now that you have brought that out, right, you brought it out into the light. Now I can help you to trust me. And for me, that was the next hurdle. And I think for a lot of women, especially dealing with the sin of, of abortion is getting over that hurdle of like, I don't, I, and, and being honest before God, right? That I don't trust you. I know that your word says that I'm forgiven. I know your word says that you love me and you're never going to, but the, the reality is God that I don't, and I desperately want to believe you, but I don't know how to do that. And until you can cry out those things to God and be honest, because like you said, he already knows that he already knows that I don't trust him, but I have to be able to come to my father and tell him, I don't trust you. I want to, but I don't, and I don't know how to do that because you can't help me do that. I mean, can God use you in my life? Absolutely. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to complete that work and help you. So I think for us, a big part of our healing in that is to be honest before the one who knows everything. He knows everything. So just be honest and bring it to him. And then allow him to bring brothers and sisters in Christ around you in a counseling uh, service or whatever it is that he's going to allow them to pour into you. And we give back what God has given us, right? I mean, those are the scriptures that we love to be able to say, I want to give back the same things that God gave to me. So I think for me and a lot of women, if we can just get humbly before our God, our father, our daddy, and just say the truth of what is in our heart, that I can't forgive myself. I don't know how to receive your forgiveness. I don't trust you. I'm angry with you. I'm whatever, right? And then let him deal, deal with it. That's when the healing can begin. And I was able to get over that hurdle. But the, the struggle was me, not God. He was there sitting there waiting for me to just say, I don't trust you. He's like, I, I, you know, in my funniness with God, I'm sure he was like, 
okay, Dane, it's about time. Would you just <laughs> you don't trust me? So we can move on. Sorry. That's how I always think God talks to me like, all right, Dane, here we go again. You know, just tell me what you want to say. <laughs> so I encourage women, get before your father who loves you more than anybody ever could, more than ever you could ever imagine. And just get before him on your knees and just be honest and tell him, what is up? What's your problem? And then he'll deal with it. And he'll bring people into your life that get to pour into you. Just like you and I can't get to come alongside women in their healing journeys. And it's the most humbling calling, one of the most humbling callings to get that God would entrust his daughters to you or I to walk alongside. That is, is talking about being in a place of humility. Part of my story today is speaks to somebody's heart, even if it's one person today that needed to hear that, that's struggling to get over that hurdle. Hopefully many. And the the thing that jumps out at me is the, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Yeah. Yes. Mark 924. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of is, is going to the father saying, hey, I don't trust you. My trust has been broken in the past. Man has broken my trust. And since we relate to God the way that we relate to man, or we kind of project onto God what our experiences are with man, we think that he's going to fail us because man has failed us. But as a reminder, God is not just mere man. Right. He is trustworthy. Even if you don't trust him, he is trustworthy. He is steadfast in his love for you and his goodness. So remember that. Now, I do believe in different degrees of sin, but that's really more for the other side of heaven. And I think that it's kind of a mute point because all sin separates us. So there are different degrees of sin, but we're all sinners. And so we remember that. And I think we should be appalled by sin. We are called to be appalled by sin, but we're not dealing with merely flesh and blood. We're dealing with people who are made in God's image, who have sinned. And so we don't remove ourselves from that because that's who we once were. Just as Paul said, some of you, this is exactly who you were. That's us, right? So we remember that. Let's close out on our episode today with a few of those resources. Did you give out all the resources that you were thinking of? Um, I think I did deeper still. Again, if you want their contact, you can contact me. I can give you, because there's different chapters. So deeper still is the one that does a free retreats post-abortion healing for men and women. And then um, the surrendering the act is another one. So you can contact me. I can give you some of their contact information. Yeah, but those are the two big ones that right now that I can think of. And there's probably some other ones. So if you need something or whatever, just reach out and we can, I can help you and guide you in whatever direction you might need to go into. The website one more time, if they want to contact you. Yes, is overcomewithjesus.org. And the email is info at overcomewithjesus.org. Perfect. And the a resource that I wanted to tell you about is, number one, we have a podcast episode with Gretchen Levesque, who spoke about becoming a pro-life advocate. So go check that out. Also at our church, one of the things that Gretchen Levesque and her husband and a few others from church have brought to the church with agreement of our elders in our church is the house of refuge. So perhaps that is something that you want to look at to seeing if your church can become a house of refuge for women who are considering abortion before they abort. And I think that they give out resources either way that they are here for support. And I believe that that is part of the love life foundation or love life organization. So go check those out. Now, if we jump into our scripture section, is there a scripture that you brought today that might pertain to what we discussed? Yes. Well, there's a bunch of them, right? But I'm going to read this one. I like to personalize scripture. 
So if you don't do that, I recommend that you do. And you can write out this and put your own name in, but it comes from Psalm 103 and it's uh, 8 through 12. So I'm going to read it and personalize it to myself because this I've, I've had early on in my in my healing and I reread it to myself a lot. So this is what it says. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse Dana, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat Dana as Dana's sins deserve or repay Dana according to Dana's iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for Dana, who fears him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed Dana's transgressions from Dana. And so I, when, I, when you read scripture and you personalize it to yourself, it, it changes scripture. It just does. It, 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 uh, so I suggest that something, if you haven't tried doing that already, try it and see how it, what God does in your heart. Yeah. So I love that. That's kind of one of my go-to scriptures. Thank you. The two scriptures that I brought is, well, the first is Luke one forty one, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And I love that. What a reminder that that baby inside of your tummy, inside of the female's tummy is a baby already, a baby that can technically leap inside of the womb. The second scripture I think is so important is first John one, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That says all, not some, not a little, not lesser degrees of sin, but not the bigger sin. No, this says to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that includes abortion. Run after him. Don't walk run. You won't regret it. Now, if there was one thing that you would want everybody to take away from today's episode, what would that one thing be? It's funny, as you were talking right now, I thought I wanted to say one more thing that I think is important. And this is it, is that God is not angry at you. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. He loves you no matter what. He loves you. And I think that was a, a struggle a lot for me is thinking I can't go to God because I'm sure he can't even stand to look at me, the hate and the anger that he feels towards me, which was such a lie, right? It's such a lie from the pit of hell. Um, the enemy loves to use that. But I just want you to know, just like Kat said, don't turn away from God. This is not the time to turn away from him. He is the only one that really, truly understands you, that knows what you're going through, right? Elroy, I love that name for God, the God who sees, who knows, who hears. He knows everything. That He knows the pain that you're going through. So turn to him. Don't shut him out. Don't shut him out. Don't turn away from him. As hard as it is, he is the only one that's going to be there for you to help you to heal from this. So like Kat said, just run into his arms and just be honest with him about everything that's going on in your heart. But remember, though, that he loves you. He cannot not love you. He created you. He created you and he loves you unconditionally. He unconditionally loves you so very much. So embrace that. Allow yourself to receive that love. Allow yourself to receive the forgiveness. Start understanding really what forgiveness is from God, not people, humans and that, but what God's forgiveness is. Because if you believe in Jesus is your savior, then you have to believe he died for every sin. And that's every sin. It's not just some, it is every sin. If you repent and turn from it, God will forgive you. So remember that he loves you with a 
with an unfailing, relentless love. He loves you so much. So hold on to that. Hold on to that. Amen. Thank you. Now our God will tell you, go and sin no more. He tells us that. However, remember the God who created the heart can heal the heart. Go straight to the maker. So thank you so much, Dana, for joining us, for sharing your amazing testimony. I know so many people are going to be moved. And we're so thankful that God has worked in you and has drawn you closer to him and has drawn you to help other women and through this episode also men in being built up and grow closer to him thank you also to you listeners for listening and to those that are watching this episode we appreciate you those that are viewing don't forget that we are on all podcast platforms pretty much we are also on social media we are also on youtube so don't forget to check us out leave a review and subscribe follow and like so that way we know that you're listening and that you're enjoying this and feel free to share these episodes with your family and friends. Dana, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Yes, I would love to. First, I want to thank you for offering these platforms for people to come on and share testimonies. I think it's amazing what you're doing. So thank you for having me again. Before I pray, I wanted to just add one more thing with our biblical counseling that God just made really clear and put on my heart that we have started counseling The youngest we will go is 15 before we didn't do anything under 18. So if, and what I believe is that if we can get them young, then you don't have to be 50 and 60 coming into counseling. And there are a lot of these teenage girls that are dealing with the topic of abortion too. So if you are 15, if you know somebody that is 15 or up, these younger kids um, that need counseling, can't afford it then come to our website, reach out to us, um, send our information to them as well. But that's something new in the ministry that we didn't do before. So I just wanted to add that in there. Okay, so I will pray. Okay, thank you, God. Thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for Kat. I thank you for her obedience to you, God, in what you've put on her heart for Beautifully Rooted, um, Lord, to just um, continue um, to share about you and your healing and what you want to do and giving a platform for people like me to come on and just share a testimony. And, um, Lord, I pray Lord that, um, I glorified you through everything that I said and shared today. God, it was a difficult, um, topic to talk about Lord, but it needs to be talked about. And I pray Lord for every ear, um, that is going to hear this Lord, whether it's, um, on the internet or wherever, how a video, however they're going to watch it or listen to it. I pray, Lord, that you are going to touch the hearts of not only your daughters, but also, um, Lord, of your sons that have um, experienced um, abortion. So I pray, Lord, that you will use the things that I've said today, Lord, to um, start somebody or many people actually on um, their own journey of healing with you, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that you will, uh, your promises are true, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that you love us no matter what. Lord, that thank you for sending your son, Lord, to um, die on that cross for us, for all of our sins that we would be reconciled to you and have eternal life with you and that our sins can be forgiven. And we're eternally grateful for that, God. So I just pray that you will um, bless everybody who is uh, listening and watching God. Lord, would you continue to um, be with them on their journeys as they heal, Lord? Um, Just bring major healing into their lives and their family, Lord. So we want to give you all the praise today and all of the glory, Lord. And we pray all these things in your son's precious name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, until next time, ciao. Bye.